that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to part two of our special sit-down with Michele Mussolino. We have been having a fantastic conversation. I'm John Viola, by the way, along with Patrick O'Boyle. And Michele Mussolino is with us, so we're going to hop right back in to our conversation that uh, has been one that we've all been enjoying very, very much. So if you haven't already listened to part one, please go back. It's on our website and wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, right now, we want to get into a little bit about the conversation we were having around these love songs and what they tell us about the culture and society and uh, the unrequited love and the, the courting from a distance and all these complications that you would lose in the kind of general history books. And here it is passed down as we interpret the, the best of uh, folk music, really, and, and that's the beauty of folk music. But I want to talk to you, Mikael, a little bit because your expertise in Sicilian folk and Sicilian music, it seems to me like Sicily's having a moment as of late. Uh, obviously, Travel's been booming there even before COVID, and it seems like it's picked up yet again. You see it everywhere on you know the, the best destinations list and hotels and noto and all <laughs> these different things. And, of course, now there's that new series on HBO, The White Lotus, right? Its second season is set in Sicily. That may not be everybody's cup of tea. It's kind of right. – it's a unique show. But it's set in Termina. They go to Noto. It's it's I, I my wife and I find ourselves watching it, finishing every episode, going, "Why are we watching this? Oh, we're watching it for the Sicilian scenes because it's so beautiful." But one of the things I've enjoyed about it is not only the scenery but the soundtrack because it's a great mix of uh, some more modern Italian stuff, stuff from the seventies, the fifties, and a lot of Sicilian folk. I hear a lot of Rosa Balistrieri uh, oh, as I, I love her. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think of her as like the kind of the the queen of Sicilian song. Yeah, let's talk about her a little bit, because I, for those who have watched the show or maybe you've heard Rosa Balistrieri, she's um, she's kind of ubiquitous if you if you know Sicilian music, right? Yeah, she um, is the I guess we would call her the touchstone, as you said, right? The touchstone of Sicilian folk music, and she was this Sicilian woman who um, started singing folk music, and it became her um, her career. She even she even actually performed with Dario Fo and Franca Rame, and she did productions with them. And she made famous and made popular many, many, many traditional songs. And I actually have a really cool story about Rosa Balistrieri. If, if I have time to tell it, I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole new episode now. Okay. Um, when I first started out, when the first shows I ever did in New York City, there was a lovely lady there from Sicily. And she was talking to me after the show. And there's an older woman. And she said, oh, I just love the way you sang mi volto mi rivolto now mi volto for for those of you who aren't familiar with it um it's uh my, my turn mi rivolto i toss I and i turn yeah, i toss okay. and i turn and it's a, a love song from sicily that it was first documented about 300 years ago i believe by leonardo vigo wow. um so it comes from a very old tradition it's believed that it's connected to uh fenestike luciva goes back to the baroque believe it or not which is a neapolitan song um that's another that's a whole hour right there for a conversation hmm. but it's one of Cicely's most well-known and beloved folk songs and love songs and she said to me I love how you sang she's made me think of Rosa Balistrieri and she started telling me that Rosa was her friend they went to school together in Likata they grew up together and she had me but then she said something and I remember and I was I was listening to this I was enthralled that this woman knew Rosa Balistrieri and then she mentioned that she said yeah she was and I remember when she found 
the old cassette tapes and the, the recordings in the market in Palermo. And she started singing the folk music. And I thought, okay, now you lost me. But I filed that away. I filed that away in my head. Years go by, and I'm in Palermo at the house of Francesco Giunta, who is a famous Sicilian singer-songwriter and producer. And he used to have this uh, record label called Teatro Sole, and he is probably the most instrumental in getting Rosa Balestrieri known to the modern world because he re-released all of her recordings and not only re-released them, but put them in out with booklet form and talked about her life, gave the texts of the songs, the histories of the songs, and really made the world know her again and, and made all the modern world know her um, with his with his record label, Teatro Sole. And he told me this story about Rosa Balestrieri and he started to show me videos and it was an explosion in my mind uh, because there was, and I'm losing the, losing the name here, but there was a famous Sicilian, uh, or was a Sicilian singer, a man um, who came from Ribera, which is my family's town in Sicily, um, or one of my family's towns. And he had released these songs from the Corpus Favara, which is the, the one of the biggest documents we have of Sicilian folk music. Uh, it's a collection, an anthology of folk songs that were put together by this, uh, this doctor that went around Sicily. Um, and he recorded these folk songs, these traditional songs. Rosa Balestrieri listened to his recordings, studied them note for note, and that's how she started to learn to sing these folk songs. And there are videos and, and recordings on YouTube where you can, they put the two recordings together. They put Rosa singing over his... Um, I want to say Gusho. I think his last name is Gusho. I'm not, I have to, his name is just like leaking out of my head right now. I apologize for that. Um, they were somewhat contemporary and they juxtaposed the two recordings and she matches him note for note and tone for tone. And for those of you who are not musicians or singers, I need to make this point. What she did was really, really difficult. It's very hard for a woman to learn to sing from a man's voice. It's like impossible. You can do it, but it's really hard. It's much easier for a woman to learn from the sound of a woman's voice. Hmm. And that's when, when he showed me these, um, you know, this, this musical documentation of it, I, I was blown away. And I, and it made her, and to me, somebody like Rosa Balestrieri is mythological. I mean, she's, they say it's, it's like mythical. She's mythica. You know? she's, yeah. she's larger than life. What that did to me is that humanized her in my head. And I said, holy smokes, like she studies music. She studies songs the way I learn. You know, she learns a song the way I learn. You have to listen to it a million times. And it was a moment. It was like a turning point in my life that I, you know, in my life is like studying this music that, you know, even, even the great Rosa Balestrieri had to start studying somewhere, you know, she had to start some. And that was a wild moment for me. I want to say um, Ganducho, Ganducho, Giuseppe Ganducho. I might have the name wrong, but. Um, it's a, it's a really fascinating story. And I learned, and, and who taught me that, but Francesco, the great Francesco Junta, who was one of the foremost scholars of Rosa Balestrieri, because as I said, he, he re-released all her recordings to the world and gave us beautiful documentation of her recordings. For me, she's, she's seminal in the scope of her songbook, right? Like she's done so much. Mm -hmm. uh, you yes. think of a Sicilian folk song and, and the thing about Sicilian folk music to me that's different is like, you know, Obviously, the the canzone napoletana has come over to us, and it had a lot of structure 
obviously the Shinajat with movies that came over from the 50s and 70s into the 80s and uh, it, it had the Piedegrota Festival of Song. So new stuff was, you know, Renato Carozone and all new stuff was being written and released in the tradition um, deep into the Italian-American experience. Whereas the Sicilian folk stuff doesn't have the same sort of architecture around it or hasn't had the same sort of architecture around it here in America, right? Okay. And so when we were still getting waves of immigration in significant numbers, uh, that stuff... I think felt like transferred over. So it's, you have to dig, I think, to get into the depth of the great Sicilian folk tradition. Whereas the Neapolitan stuff is sort of more, um, more accessible in Italian American experience. It was, I would say the Neapolitan music was more popularized. Yeah. Um, also you have to remember that Naples was the capital, right? Naples was the capital of the kingdom of the two Sicilies. It was a capital of music and uh, several great uh, conservatories for hundreds of years in Naples. Right. Um, you know, Naples makes musicians. That's just, that's just the way it is. Naples produces musicians. Yeah. Um, the difference I would say in, and in Naples, uh, you, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit in Naples. You also had music was being made for uh, popular consumption in Naples, where, for example, a song like Funiculi Funicula, right? That was a commercial. Right. Exactly. That was actually a commercial for the for the the Funivia, the, the, the <laughs> rail car. It's funny you say that. I don't want to go too tangential, but I was. Uh, you don't think about that. That the idea that this is music being written for commercial consumption. Yeah. I I had a a driver one time uh, taking me around, and sometimes when I have long distance stuff, this is car service that I use. And get the same guy. He's really great. His name's Mike Kim. He's Korean American, and him and Mike I have Kim gotten, is the bomb. Yeah, Pat's met him a million times. Yeah. yeah. And we've gotten close. We've gotten to know each other. He loves so, Italian stuff, too. He, he loves, loves Italian stuff. Yeah. He, he's he the comes, bomb. Whenever it's like a really long distance thing, if we got to work, he takes us. And uh, he plays Italian music on Pandora, one of them for us. And he, he, he's got into it with us. So Finicoli, Finicola came on, and he said something to the effect of, like, what a happy song. Like, is this a romance? Like, you know, it must be romantic or Ooh. something to that effect. And I said, actually, it's it's really it's – it's celebrating public transportation. It's, it's not a like jingle. A, it's to a get jingle. Everybody to ride yeah. Because they didn't want it. They didn't, they didn't trust it. They didn't. They said, we're going to go up on mules. Like, no, you can go up on the rail car now. That's how good Neapolitans are. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's, you Even your jingles. Even your commercials. Even so, 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 jingles, people yeah. want to make love. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like if, if the, the Doubleman gum commercial 100 years from now is in the popular songbook of America, right? It's, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's, a different, it's a different beast. It's a different industry. And the, in, in Sicily, the music really, and it was like a daily soundtrack. Everybody made music. Uh, and, and you used music to accompany everything. Um, in addition, you had, so, so when you were at work, you made music. You, if you were washing clothes in the fountain, you made music, you sang. Um, even, you know, we have fishermen tradition. We have nowhere else in Italy do the fishermen sing hmm. because, and it was always explained to me by an ethnomusicologist from Genova. It's like, well, if you sing, you're going to scare away the fish. But in Sicily, because you were singing, you were hunting tuna, you could sing, you know, but this tuna were dead when you were singing, but you could sing. Right. And there's, there are a lot of traditional songs that came from the work and came from, again, came from just daily life. But also in Sicily, you had, yeah, a lot of itinerant musicians, and that was a tradition. And that, and and people would call musicians to come and perform. People would call musicians in in what we say in Masseria, in your house when you had an event. A, ma- a Masseria is like a big plantation almost. Some a huge, are big, a big some huge are not, farm. 
to compound. Some are not so big. Some are big, but some are not that big. It could be a, it could be a, a small farm. They're not necessarily giant. Yes, they can be. Like, but they're they're wool. Like they're, they're, they're compounded. Usually, they're right? wool. Well, everything was wool. I mean, right. come on. That's very true. Everything yeah. had to be wool. You're right. You yeah, know? that's true. Um, you know, so they would, and, and people, that's where a lot of musicians came from. Where they were, you know, they were called for the religious festivals. They were called for a, a, a religious ritual. They were called for the funerals. They were called for the baptism. They were called for the celebration. They were called for the weddings. And it was always like in your community. It was always like music in your community. So that's a little bit different. It wasn't necessarily these giant like mass audiences but it was the smaller you know think about it you know if it's if it's if even if it's your plantation who is it for it's for everybody that lived there it's not for you know for the people down the street and that's kind of a little bit of the difference so it was you know the thing about sicilian music is is because it was such a part of everyday life it wasn't necessarily considered like um wasn't necessarily considered something showy it wasn't we just it's there it you just assume that it's part of your life and you kind of take it for granted it's not created for consumption, right? I mean, it's no, it's not, it's, it's yeah. created for just you know just to express to express yourself in community. Yeah. Um. Or some of the some of the music was created to get through a really birthday, and and you know you had to you're doing backbreaking labor, and you needed to pass the time. Um. There's a tradition of songs called the Salinai, and that was the guys who worked in the salt mines used to have these chants that they they would sing. And it was a way for them to count how much salt was being put into their baskets hmm. because they understood there was like a time element. Like after a certain amount of time or a certain amount of, of lines of a song, they would have approximately so much. And that's how they weren't getting cheated. Wow. How about that? Okay. So there's, there's, there's different, you know, there's different traditions like that. And, you know, people in the, in the sulfur mines saying what a horrible life they led, what a horrible job that was. But why did they say, well, you're in the dark in the bowels of the earth doing this backbreaking labor, dying of the burning, burning the heat, you know, and you're, you're probably, you're probably naked. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm going to blurt that out, but, um, you know, life is pretty horrible, but you're singing, you're singing because it's, it's something to occupy your time. And there's a rhythm going on too. And you're singing and these songs would get passed down. And eventually these songs became part of popular culture, but it was, again, song was, song was an ubiquitous part of life. It wasn't necessarily considered, it was part of ritual. You know, the song, we know music goes back to antiquity. It started in religious rituals and it eventually became something secular. And there's this crisscrossing back and forth between the, the sacred and the profane with this music. So it was, um, I think in Sicily, it was more for, uh, it was a part of your life. It was, it was a given. It was function. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was like, like breathing. You had to have music. Yeah. You had to. And that, that's why, you know, talk about hearing somebody like Rosa Balistrieri on an, on an HBO, a popular HBO TV show. And I think to myself, you know, thank God that these things have been recorded. I, I, yeah. I watched uh, Ken Burns' History of Country Music. And I, I like the, you know, like, I guess they used to call it hillbilly music. But to me, it's it's a lot, it's very similar that like rootsy, you know, um, the, the Carter family and the, the really early stuff, early recordings. And I found it so fascinating because for anybody who knows the Carter family, Johnny Cash's in-laws, they were kind of one of America's first big recording artists. They were from Tennessee. And uh, the husband, the, the, the man, it was a, a gentleman and two women, uh, but the man, and I forget his name now. AP, they call him AP. AP, AP, thank you. AP Carter, whose husband and sister-in-law made the trio with him. He 
realized early on that there was this recording industry in Bristol, Tennessee, and they were looking for songs. So he got in a car and he traveled all over the South and he wrote down any folk song he encountered. If somebody was humming something and, and you know, to, to put it to music and eventually the lyrics, and it became basically the beginning of the American songbook. And uh, you think about those moments in time, like the Alan Lomax collection, walking around Italy in, I guess, the 50s and recording people all up and down the peninsula in Sicily and songs they sang in the field or this and that. And it's only those things that get memorialized that then get passed down to us. So I look at the Sicilian songbook and think how lucky we are to have uh, so much of it, right? What would yeah. you say are the indicative songs uh, that, that you kind of think are the standards of the Sicilian uh, folk book? Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, again, we talked about Mi Volto and Mi Volto. That is just um, a pillar of Sicilian folk song. Um, pretty much anything that, that Rosa Balestere sang, because, as again, she based her, um, her repertoire on the songs that were documented by uh, Alberto Favara in his Corpus Favara. And, you know, uh, I'm kind of partial to, um, you know, there's, you know, song, we have songs like, uh, what is it? Voi dormite ancora. You know, that's a, that's a traditional love song that a lot of opera singers sing that. It's a Sicilian song. Um, but we have, you know, songs that are indicative of the seasons or the, a feast. And it kind of talks about uh, like that feast. So we have some religious songs like that. I would say one of the biggest style of singing or a, a kind of song would be the, what they call the Nina Nana, the, the lullaby. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I will say this, and it sounds like a very prejudiced thing to say, and I don't care, come at me. Um, I would say out of all the folk traditions in Italy, the Sicilian lullabies are the most beautiful mm. and the most poetic. And there's a, a, a syllable that you hear a lot in Sicilian lullabies, uh, la vo, ao, uh, o, 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 ribo, bo, la ribo, is a, o, a, o. And there's a couple theories to that. There's a theory that it comes from the word aurora, which is Greek, the, the, the Greek word for dawn comes from aurora. It's like something like ao or something like that in the Greek. And it's, it's this like uh, gergo or it's this, this, this truncation of the word for dawn where the mothers would rock their babies and say sleep until dawn, sleep until dawn. Wow. So um, that if, if you're going to look at, let's say, a, a love song. Um, uh, lullaby. A lullaby. I would definitely, especially because a lullaby is the first song anybody ever hears. Yeah. True. Everybody hears them, and it's the first song anybody ever hears. And and it's funny because I used to hear my grandmother. My grandmother was raised in Palermo, and I used to hear her sing to my cousins and my little cousins and my cousins' kids. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, grandma sings like that because she's old. That's why. And I, that's what I found. She, it's sweet, but she must be singing like that. So when I was about nineteen or twenty, I was in Sicily and at my cousin's house, and my cousin is young. She's a twenty-something mother, and she's rocking her babies, and she's she's laughing. She's okay, Miguel. She goes, we sing a little. We sing our lullabies a little different here. And she starts singing just like my grandmother. And I said, wait a minute. There must be something here. She's young and she's singing the same way my grandmother sang in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here in Ribeva and she's singing like this. Wait a minute. What's going on here? And that's when I started to understand that, you know, there's something here. There's a tradition here that, that there's this, this continuation, this line that's going from the old country to the new world. and It hasn't changed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and 
What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The things that we keep, like the songs that you end up with, I'm thinking about, I worked, the only experience I have in music, as everybody's heard on this show a million times, is I worked with Lena Prima on her uh, I love her. Record. I love She's her. the best. She's such an angel. Yeah. Um, I love her. Big shout out to Lena. She usually listens, so she knows how much I love her. Does she really listen? Yeah, she's, she loves Italian stuff. Wow. Lena, Lena's like a super Italian. I met her because of Pat. See? I got to meet her because of Pat, see? <laughs> Pat's the glue. Uh, <laughs> I I worked with her, and she was doing stuff that was in her dad's songbook, but she wanted to do some Sicilian stuff, so I brought to her attention a song that I think of as really special to me, which is Kuti Ludisi. I was just going to say, she covered Kuti Ludisi. She did a beautiful yeah. job of it. Yeah. She did. She made it a more kind of um, ballady thing, but like uh, Kuti Ludisi and Vitina Krozan. Could you give us a little sense of some of those songs? Um, Kuti Ludisi is a really beautiful, for those of you who haven't heard it, it's a beautiful song and it, it's sung different ways. Sometimes it's sung almost like a little like a sing song, almost like a march. Some people sing it the way Lena did beautifully as a, as a ballad. Um, it's, it's really, who told you? Who told you I was leaving? You know, who told you? And it's about, somebody's really upset because the love affair has ended. And they're saying, you know, I gave you my heart. I, I gave you, you were my first love. I, you know, um, and I have a, a bone to pick with Kutulisi because I, I, I was talking to a Sicilian American singer and it was a woman and she was going on about it. So it's a horrible song because really it means that, you know, they had sex. And because it says, I made love to you. And this, and one of the lines is, I made love to you. And they had sex and then they left her. And that's a horrible song. She was probably raped. And I said, whoa, 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 back up, back up. This song dates back about 300 years. The expression to make love didn't mean uh, copulation until like the 20th century. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, you got to, you know, back up here. And, <laughs> and this is something that, again, when I talk about these songs, you're, you're dealing with a culture where if you just, looked at somebody the wrong way right well you were you better get to the pre through tomorrow and you better get married it wasn't you know we didn't have yeah of course people slipped through the cracks and you know there was people getting getting pregnant before they got married yeah it happened come on but by and large it didn't it wasn't allowed you didn't even have that moment and i i tell people the story my mom when my mom and my dad were what they call courting they weren't married yet they were they were dating courting uh, in North New Jersey, they're sitting in the living room. My grandmother's house. My mother was working on some embroidery. My father's there. Just keep, they call it, we were keeping company. Which keeping literally, company. you went. There, you're keeping company. You went there and you just. This is the 1940s, and um, I just want to say I'm the youngest in my family, so my parents are a lot older when I was born. I just want to get that out there real quick. So um, my uh, so my mother's grandfather walked into the room. My mother's grandfather's from Sicily, right? My her parents are from Sicily. My mother's grandfather walked into the room. My mother, without even, nothing was said. My mother had to get up and go into the other room so he wow. could sit there with my father. In North wow. New Jersey. In, yeah, 19, in like 1948. Yeah. So you didn't, you know, it was, it, so you, you need to, so, so Kutu is this beautiful song. And it's very, again, it's another song, a love song. It's very much identified with Sicily. It's, it's um, you find versions of this all over. Uh, in all over Sicily. And the other song you talked about was Vitina Crozza. Now, Vitina Crozza is a really cool song. Um, nobody, it's, it's a fun song. 
It's always, it's always up. I it's saw like a skulls. I see a skull. <laughs> Word yes. is, nobody I, knows so what the heck it me. means. A fun Sicilian song. It's a is but I listen. Saw a skull. No, I'm just being quiet. Wait. When the two, who's making it gets better, Pat? Yeah, it gets better because there's the verse where now that I'm dead and buried, and the worms are eating my sins and defects. Um, <laughs> it gets better. You are fun people. I gotta say that <laughs> we are fun. And here's the reason for that song. Here's the reason for Vitina Krotza, and it does mean I see skull Vitina Krotza. And what is happening is. The skull is talking. Oh, May Yangoda getting better, getting better. <laughs> so your happy Sicilian song about a talking skull. Yeah. But listen, listen, if it does it for you, far be it from me. And the skull is saying things like, listen, it would be a real tragedy if you get to the end of your life and you don't hear those church bells ring. If you don't die an honorable death. Wow. It's getting better I, and better. What a fun song. Well, do you sing yeah. this at weddings? Sure you millions, do. Of course you sing it A talking everywhere. skull says, uh, I hope you, you have an honorable death. I, it's, <laughs> it, it, no, he's saying, if you don't hear those church bells ring, then it's, it's a tragedy. And the reason for that, in Sicily, when you die, the church bells rang at specific rhythms. It was a rhythm if you were a certain... Um, social status, you know, if you were farming, you had a different different rhythm. If you were male, you had one female, different one. Different towns had different rhythms for the dead, different times of the day. If you were a child, you had a certain rhythm for the, the way the bells would appeal. Um, if you were unbaptized child, you had a different one. I mean, this was a there was a hierarchy here. And if you didn't get those, if you didn't get recognition in death, there was, you know, you didn't live a good life. Wow. Okay. That's, again, our history passed down through song, right? Yeah. So it's Vitina. And it's really what he's saying is, you know, um, it's, it's also a kind of song, not only live a good, it's like live your life, but also live a good life. And in one part of the song, he's saying, I'm 80 years old. He goes, and I'm crying out for life, but death is answering me. So it's also kind of like that, that carpe diem message, you know, the dia se you know, carpe, you know. When you get to the end of your life, what do you, you know, there's going to come a time. It's going to catch up to everybody. Isn't that like me Memento Mori? Memento Mori, yeah. Yeah, Memento like, Mori. right? Like, this Tempest like Fugit, Memento Mori. Time flies and we die, you know? Yeah. Um, in a moment you die. Time flies in a moment you die. Tempest Fugit, Memento Mori. Um, so it's this idea. It's this calling to mind that, you know what? It's coming. It's going to come for everybody. Make the most of it while you can. And I think that's beautiful. And then also... You know, and Pat, you're saying like, oh, it's like, look at this, that's, that's talking stuff. But it's also, you know, in Sicily, death was not, and this is something else I sing about a lot. So it was like, death was not necessarily the end in Sicily. It's not, and it was not considered something uh, to be feared. It was not considered something to macabre. And part of that was because, you know, it was really easy to die. You know, we didn't have good sanitation. You didn't have medicine, you didn't have food. Yeah. We had a lot of wars all the time, a lot of invasion. So, you know, life was precious. We didn't appreciate, you know, we, we appreciated it a little bit more because you didn't know if you were going to have it. But also, you know, Sicilians have a very strong connection to the dead. So we know that, in, you know, in Sicilian culture, and, and that carries over even to the U.S., um, in Sicilian culture, we know that once our, our loved ones are dead, yes, we don't have a physical relationship with them any longer, but we are still in contact with them. And they are in our lives every day and they send us messages and communicate with us and love us still and protect us still. And it's normal. It's not creepy. It's not scary. It's, and, I, and I remember as a kid very vividly 
many, many times. I'd rather get on the phone with one of her sisters. You know, so uncle so-and-so came to me, Jimmy, okay? I wanted to make sure you said, I should give you a call. And, you know, or the sister, did you have this? I had the same dream. I heard, you know, pop came in a dream tonight. Blah, 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 blah. And my father used to do it. My aunt and everybody, you know, they would have these visions and these visitations. And it would either send you a message of protection or send you a message that you needed to do, go do something. Um, or just, you know, they'd let you know they were still there and they still loved you. And it was very much part of daily life. And we, you know, we have the feast day, November 2nd where we honor our departed loved ones. I wrote a song. I'm going to get a plug in here. I wrote a song about that feast day because I love it so much. And I wanted to counterbalance this weirdness that we have now with Halloween, how it's become this like satanic thing. And it's like, where did, you know, enough with this stuff. There's a, there's an aspect to these, these days, these early days in end of October, beginning of November, that's very beautiful and sacred and, you know, enough with the, the evil dark spirits. That's not what it should be. You know, don't be afraid of it. And, and again, I'm going to bring up my dad um, when I was a little girl because I was Italian American. You know, I was raised on mythology and I was also raised on the stories of the saints. That was everyday life for us, you know, all these, especially because we have so many saints in Southern Italy and Sicily, you know, um, and all the miracles they did. And I was in my head, I was like, all, all, all I thought about was like, you know, miracles and, and all the things that the, the mythological features that the, the gods used to do. So I, I was talking to my dad one day and we had just come from my grandpa's wake and I said pop you ever think I'm gonna see a miracle I want to see a miracle I wish I could see a miracle like like Padre Pio I wish I could see a miracle he wasn't a saint he was called Padre Pio then um and uh I wish I could see a miracle my father said well tonight at the funeral at the wake you saw a miracle you saw the miracle of life because your grandpa was there in the, in the casket he's getting he's in heaven now and your baby cousin was there she was just born a couple weeks ago so that's the miracle. That's the greatest miracle you're ever going to see. And I think that Sicilians always keep that. They it, it comes out in their music that miracle. Those there's so many emotions in these songs. Um, you know, life is we're here living. You know, we're we're still here. We still have breath. We still have a chance to hear those church bells ring. So let's 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 do this with gusto. You know, and and I know. Other parts of Southern Italy are like that too. It's not just Sicily, but I'm going to say we're the best at it. There you go. It's, I think of like one of the things I love about, um, we're talking about Kuti Ludisi and the, you know, the line of breath of my breath, the Shatumiya. My Sha- great grandmother. Yeah, she, my great grandmother used to call everybody my breath, uh, Shatumiya, oh. and, and I think that's the most beautiful sentiment in the world. Yeah. You, you, right, like you, you know, people call their baby my love and my doll, and this, yeah. that's all. Kore mio, my heart. Yeah. Even more than my heart is my breath because it's the it's to me you call somebody my breath, I read it as the uh, the fuel that enlivens the whole thing, right? Like yeah. a, your heart is your organ; it's there, yeah. and it's and I love that people give it away to their loved ones. Well, what do they say? What is the refrain of that song? Moto, 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 moto. I'm dying. I'm dying. We're, yeah, our, our love affair is over. I'm dying. I'm dying. It is a, this <sighs> is a lot, there's a lot of macabre, but it, like you say, it's beautiful. And you know, as we get to the uh, latter part of our second episode here, I do want to make sure we're talking about it, and it's a good point of transition. Yes, there's the traditions around death and the beauty of life, but it's also, you know, we're talking about the religious aspects and the saints and holidays. You have just released a Christmas album. Uh, yes, I did. And it's so let's called, talk about it. It's called La Notte Triumphanti, and which means a triumphant night. And it's mostly Sicilian songs, but I do have some songs on there from Naples. I have a, a song from... Uh, from Calabria, I have a song from Abruzzi Molise. 
Um, they're all pertaining to Christmas or the holidays in December. And it revolves all around these feast days. And La Notte Triumphante is because all the Christmas songs on this album all revert back to that one night when it was the celebration of the birth of Christ. And I love that in that these songs all, they talk about the same, it's the same topic in every song, but well, not in every song, but in all the Christmas songs, it's the same topic, but it's from a different perspective. It may be the story of the shepherds. It may be the story of the three Kings. It may be what happened to Mary to get to, to that. And, and there's a lot in this album. It wasn't intentional, but there's a lot in this album of the aspects of the mother and the mother of God, which is, I find that very beautiful that she's got a very strong hand in this album. And I just love this so much because these are the songs that kind of road tested through the years at all the Christmas. The Christmas shows are always my favorite because there's something else happening at Christmas. You know, the, I love the shows. I love the connection with the audience. But Christmas is just, there's something, there's something spiritual or magic, whatever you want to call it going on. And um, people really feel these songs. So these are the songs that through the years I had the most audience connection with. I thought the audience connected with it. And I put them in this album. They're like my favorites too. They're fan favorites and my favorites. And it's an album I wanted to make for years. And it's my first big project here in Memphis. I work with Memphian musicians. I was recorded in Memphis. We did the last little bit of music mixing at Sam Phillips Studios, which blew my mind. That was like a great honor for me. Um, and it's, we would say in Italian, contamination, it's contaminated, but the, it's mixed with a lot of these, uh, these traditions from Sicily and Southern Italy are mixed with American musical traditions, especially ones from Memphis. So it's, for me, it's this continuation of the story of the immigration as I'm exploring like the influences here in the U.S. and how Sicilians are making music here. Um, the producer actually is from Sicily, but he lives in Memphis. He's from Catania. There's Mario Monterosso. And um, so it's kind of like a journey for him too. And it's just, it's nice to be able to do this with these musicians from uh, from Memphis. And the keyboard player, TJ Bonta, he's, he's like, you know, my family is from Italy. I don't know any, I don't know how or why, but my family. And then Jeremy Barziza is the bass player. He's another Italian American here. Um, Tom Leonardo on drums, another one. It just kind of happened while you're in Memphis. Um, and we have a wonderful Alice Haston on the fiddle. Um, but we have a lot of it, like almost all Italian Americans on this album. Wasn't I didn't intend that. I just wanted sure. to hire great musicians, but what are you gonna do? And it's it's just so much. I'm so happy to have this, and it's it's going all over the world now. It's soon to be in Australia. It's in Italy, um, it's here in the U.S. It's going to, official releases on the 9th. Um, but there's been like a soft release. It's out there. It's actually out there on Spotify. It's out on all the, the digital platforms. If you can get the physical album from my, my website. And if you want to do a download, I would suggest you come to my website because the actual album has a booklet with all the lyrics and the song stories in it. And if you do the download from my website, it's the same price as if you're going to get it on like an Apple or something like that. But you get the download of the booklet and the lyrics and the, and the stories and all the liner notes. So that's why it's something a little extra special. But I'm just happy to be able to do this for my audience. And I'm happy to put this music out there because it's just it's this tradition. These are all these traditions that and they go back to antiquity. Like we have a, I have a, a scene on here. Uh, from Calabria, you know, the, the tradition of the strina goes back to antiquity. Um, and it was, it goes back to the, the feast of Saturnalia, really. Tell me about that. I don't know anything about that. Um, well, you know, Saturnalia was the period in December, the darkest time, the coldest time of the year. It started in early December. It focused around 
the solstice, the winter solstice, and kind of ended in January with the Feast of Strenia, which would be like around the first week of January, which some believe, some historians believe that became Befana because you gave gifts on Strenia. And they believe that she was the precursor to Befana. And the Strina is this tradition where musicians walk from house to house during this season. It's a Christmas season in, in Italy. or it, it's, The Strina is really popular and I, in Calabria, Puglia, and Sicily. It's really identified very strongly with Calabria. And the musicians were itinerant. So they would walk from house to house at night, starting on the 6th of December and going to January 6th. And they make music in front of your house. They call down blessings of, of prosperity and good wishes on your family. And then your job was you and your wife and your kids would invite them into the house and you'd wine them and dine them. And that way you receive all these blessings. And then they, you send them on their way. They go to the next time. And they do this every night for a month all around. It all focuses around Christmas time, really. And if you don't wind them in, if you don't bring them in and show them hospitality, well, then they start calling down, you know, canto di dispetto. They start calling down disrespect and kind of cursing, that kind of thing, you know. Um, but it's a beautiful tradition. And um, again, it's, it's associated with that time of year, Saturnalia. And this idea of itinerant musicians making music all through the night, I mean, that was documented by the historian Timaeus, um, who's, come, who's from Taromina. And that was like, Three, he, he was born like 350 BC. He was talking about these itinerant wow. with music and drumming and dancing all, you know, all night. So these are, and it's modern traditions. And now, and now you know, now that, um, like in the, the Serena from Calabria, I say things like, you know, now that Christ is born, uh, you know, may he give everybody a good heart in this house. And he fill everybody's hearts with love in this house. And it's, it's beautiful. And, and I love, I love Christmas. I just love it, love it, love it. I love everything about Christmas. Somebody once asked me, well, how do Italian Americans celebrate Christmas? I said, we start eating on Thanksgiving and we don't <laughs> stop until January 6th. And we, <laughs> we have a traditional food for everything. And I love everything about our Italian, Italian American and our Italian traditions wrapped around Christmas. And to me, this is another part of this music. Um, and I hope it becomes part of everybody's tradition too. Because again, these are the songs that are, in its most raw form, this is about uh, that, that night, what happened, that miracle. And, and I think that comes through in these, these songs um, because, again, it focuses on that. That one moment that changed everything. Yeah. Um, even the way we tell time, you know, you can call it anything you want, but we're still in B.C. and A.D. Believe it, we, you can call it anything. They don't call it right. that anymore. I, will, I refuse to use the new notation. I'm sorry. Um, it's B.C. We're in A.D. We're in A.D. Yeah. Um, Domini. Yeah. They used to put that on wedding invitations, by the way. I don't know if you got, Pat remembers this. I know he does. No, I don't. You always yes, you... took me in the end. I never remember AD on a wedding invitation. Oh, yeah. When the we year were of the kids, Lord. Used to get, oh, yeah. Used to be on, on this such and such a day, 1972 AD. I, I wasn't around. I wasn't say, around in 1972. How old are you? 47. You didn't even hit 50 yet? No. Yeah, oh my man. god, I thought you were like, I thought you were way older than me. Oh, oh thanks, thanks. No. <laughs> oh, You're the bomb. Oh, I she's batting it. Put these Sicilians together. They all gang up put, on me. They used to, and sometimes they didn't even spell it out. Maybe on the, that was put, a Newark thing. That probably was a Newark thing. They used to spell it on the domini, on the wedding invitation. Don't I I mean, you know what? You know how I know this? We have like a box. Of, my mother never threw that stuff out. We would we have a box of them. They they used to put on the wedding invitation. So anyway, so we still tell time by the birth of this child. Everything in our lives changed because, and that's what these songs talk about. And I'm really happy about that because that was another thing too. I used to always get a kick out of like when I would do, you know, when I'd be up there, 
most of the people in the audience were there because they were they wanted to celebrate Christmas in Italian way, right? But you know, I'm saying this thing is that this is the one time a year I can sing my butt off about God and I can talk about Jesus. Like nobody cares. Everybody's happy. Like nobody's offended. Nobody's like got their nose out of joint. Like I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. It's like, come on, it's Christmas. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like, a, it's funny too. It's to me is like that, that we're in this position that you kind of have to remind people what Christmas is all about, you know? You do. And, and, and you know, do and doing it in, in ways like this, like, you know, we ha- we created um, the the Yule Pot for six hours of uh, free Italian and Italian American Christmas music. I-, I had to no 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 that's not that's your pot now my yes pot. I was gonna say exactly I did it because I did the labor to edit it and we put it out there every year people it gets a lot of listens people put it in the background but Pat has twenty some odd hours of Neapolitan Christmas music twenty four hours of Neapolitan music and I can count on one hand how many Italian Italian songs are in there oh. yeah I mean you, you've got but but my my point being like all of that Neapolitan stuff it's very religious right well not not all of it there's one Neapolitan Christmas song um oh there's Pop, Christmas in jail Papa's in the can <laughs> yeah that's great that's true yeah, but a lot Christmas of it is in the, the can is the is the there's pastoral like, stuff and yeah. yeah I mean there's a lot of religious stuff and there's a lot of like uh how am I going to come up with the money to buy gifts? But that's a modern song. That's a modern song. That's not a traditional. No, that's no, modern. Listen, listen, yeah, listen, yeah, listen, no, listen, he's listen. got everything. You sing medieval Sicilian stuff. This is Neapolitan, like 1950s. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, okay. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. This look, is, in my, you know, as I ride my donkey into Palermo with my loot on my lap. That's your kind <laughs> of music. <laughs> but it's nice, though, because it, it is it is so tied to what the holiday is really about. And, you know, I always have this image in my head of, Christmas season in Italy, which I've, I've never really been able to spend. The closest is Pat and I were there uh, for the Immaculate Conception and, and St. Nicholas Day a couple oh, of years beautiful. ago. And then, you know, I think we left on like the 10th or the 12th or something. Um, well, you got to remember, too, that, you know, Italy is as modern as we are. So their Christmas now looks very much like ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not that long ago, it was primarily religious celebration. Not even not even about gifts and stuff like that. It was primarily religious and it was it was the major feast day that and Easter were the two major feast days, and that was primarily your focus more than decorations or anything like that. That's that's modern and very modern, very contemporary yeah. modern, very twentieth century. Yeah, I always think of the tradition, you know, of the the uh, zampognata, the bagpipers uh, in the mountains, and this is all up and down Italy the, through the Apennines, and they you know they would come into the villages from the mountains playing yeah. and. What uh, something I've always wanted to experience. We we did get to see some of them at St. Nicholas in Bari. Obviously, not coming from the mountains, but uh, the point that I am making is you you were talking about this idea of the itinerant musicians coming out of the mountains, coming to a place you could hear them from afar. And I was with Dolores in Sicily for this project we've talked a lot about uh, over the summer, and we were on the island of Alicudi, where her husband's family comes from, which is very remote. There's no lights, so we're, we're climbing these mountain trails, trying to get back from dinner with our cell phone lights out, and it's, I mean, it's, it's as ancient and raw as you could get. And there was a family that maybe they were having an event, uh, a get-together, a gathering, somewhere in the mountains, but they were singing Sicilian folk music, no instruments accompanying it, but they were all singing so loud and so clear I couldn't tell where they could come from as I was walking through the dark, but I could hear them. I could hear we were getting closer. And finally, we, we turned a corner on the mountain, and I could see their house in the distance. And I couldn't see them, but I could see where it was coming from. 
and all I wanted to do was just start singing back to them, back to them you know what I mean and like participating in this yeah, they might have loved it they might have they, I mean they wouldn't have been able to identify where I was to shoot me down anyway but like I, I you know it was that calling it was like, like calling yeah. out in the night and there's something about folk music that I think makes you want to jump in right because it's yeah. part of all of us and, and it's you know it's not like if somebody's swing, singing Sweet Caroline uh, it's a little bit different, I guess, in this folk stuff. It's it's it it calls to you. It, it yeah, I think your heart. I, especially with Sicilian music, I, I feel that it gives you the sense of belonging. Yeah, you know, and it's and you don't. Yes, if you're from that tradition, you feel it. But also, people that are not from this tradition that have no connection to Italy, they there's a sense of belonging that it kind of draws you in, and it's almost like this giant. It sounds corny, but it's almost like this giant abraccio. It's like this giant hug. Yeah. And I, I always want people to have that feeling when they come to my shows that this, you know, this is, this is music of the people. And there's a reason why it's music of the people. Um, there's a song on here. I know Pat is, is very interested in this song. And it's Guanona uh, Chetenino. Oh, that's an, Alfonso Seguori wrote that song. Yes. That is Tushendi Dallastele. Yes. was Pius the Ninth. 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 We wrote um, hundred years after Chetenino. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that prior to Alfonso's Liguori writing, well, he didn't write it. He was the first one to transcribe it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That was a tradition of the shepherds. That was a tradition of the shepherds. Because when you come down, um, Handel's Messiah, Handel, of course, he made the grand tour. There's a part of his Messiah that is what they call the Song of the Shepherds. He borrowed from that melody that the shepherds would sing, which was Ponono Shetenino. He he borrowed and kind of rearranged it a little bit. How about that? Yeah, because they all that was that was if you were a composer, that's that was your inspiration, the music of the people, the folk music. It wasn't it wasn't sampling. It was actually how you know it was how they created. It was their part of their creative process. I think Quanana Chetanina now it, it's getting much more recognition as really the the real song that that Tushani Dalastali came from. It should, and it, and it rightly so. It's a beautiful song, and it and it's interesting because the way that song is obviously came from the tradition of the shepherd. So there was somewhere in the beginning there was a, you know there had to be a zampognaro and the guy playing the pifero. They had to be there because that was the tradition. And we have woodcuts that go back to like seventeen eighty five with those guys on it, you know. Uh, but the way the song is sung, sometimes not the way I sing, but sometimes the way men sing it, they kind of mimic with their voice, the sound of those pipes, the, the, the double reed pipes, the bagpipes, and they, they kind of bend their voice a little bit to sound like that, to, to keep it in that tradition. Um, the way the melody comes forth, it mimics the instruments that play it. That's so amazing to me. The, I mean, I think that the history of the Zampognati, the, the, the bagpipers, the, the, it's an ancient instrument, right, that has been around since time immemorial. And yeah, it's such a, all over the Mediterranean. Yeah, it's such a unique and yearn. Uh, it's like a warbly um, calling out to you, guttural sound. It really is. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's a big part of our musical tradition. Every time I hear it, and Saint Alphonsus, when he transcribed that song, the purpose of that was to bring the faith to the general population. He knew that the music was going to be a vehicle to teach them about salvation. That's why he did that. I mean, music's as as these conversations over the past couple hours show, over and over again. Music is a great vehicle to share knowledge, to share history, to share faith, to share culture, to share intimacy. Yeah, and you know, it stays with you. And I, I think of all these songs that 
uh, people in our community grew up around or are familiar with or may hum the tune and you know you hear it again many many years later and somewhere it's in you I, i've had so many people exactly. say oh you know i know that song what's that song that goes uh, you my know, grandmother da, 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 da. used to sing that song <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and then you can share it with them and it, and, it, and it gives it right back so i think that that's beautiful it stays in your memory bank and somewhere in your soul that's true music is powerful that's why you know again remember music started out it was an expression to connect with the divine it started out from religious ceremonies and religious rituals and it eventually became something that was secular but there's a connection you know there, there is a spiritual connection whether we like to admit it or not and that's why as an adult you know when you have kids i'm going to give you a warning john because this is the warning given to me before i had kids was what are you feeding your child what are you feeding your child culturally yeah it's important it's, it's, super it's important. very important yeah i we we sing folk songs with i sing folk songs with Giovanna all the time from when she was first came back to when we first brought her home. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I sing her Chela Luna, which again, we, we talked in the last episode about it. it's, it's here history, but uh, I sing her some of the lullabies and things. And just so she knows it, you know? Yeah. It sticks with them. You'd be surprised. And I, my daughter, um, you know, she was always right there when I was in Sicily performing and research, she was always right by my side. She grew up, you know, she learned to swim in Sicily and that kind of thing and playing in the, she used to play in the temples. While I was at re, um, rehearsals and, and sound check. And, um, you'd be surprised what sticks with them. You might not think it's there, but whatever you're doing, keep doing the good stuff because it sticks with them and they come to you at a certain point and they, they kind of show you that they know it. And it's, it's made an impression, a favorable impression on them. And, and I'm like, cause sometimes she'll say, or she'll sing that, say something like, so you remember that? I said, yeah, how could I forget? You know? So it's, it's amazing. It's good that you do that. You, you might not think that any, they're absorbing it, but they are, they are. Yeah. yeah. Well, as we come to the end of two hours together, I can say for those in the audience that, you know, you're celebrating the Christmas season now and you want to add something to the soundtrack for yourself, your family, and hopefully your kids. Uh, Mikella's got a great option here in this new project and anything that she's done because she is, she's doing a lot of service for our community and for our culture. So thank you, thank you for doing that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Go out and buy for Christmas. Yes. Compra. <laughs> Support Compra. the artist. Compra. Listen, I'm going to buy her album and I'm not, and I'm not even Sicilian. <laughs> oh, what an honor. But, well, Pat, wait a minute. I got two Neapolitan songs on here. I got a song from uh, Abruzzi Molise, and I got a Calabresi song on here, oh, too. So. I'm glad we were remembered, and we weren't and I even <laughs> And I even sing a, a couple lines in English, because it's important. Yeah. I'm going to get Brendan Young one of these, because he's Sicilian. I got to get him a Sicilian Christmas gift. Awesome. Go out. Don't buy one. Buy two, three. Now, if you don't have the money, post. Tell people to buy this. Encourage your relatives to buy this. We have to support Italian American artists because they Thank can't so live. Much. They can't live on on good wishes and congratulatory tones. They got to get paid. They got to make get money. Thank you. And why are you going to buy Gaza Shema for people that you know, right? Why are you going to go go to Target and get something that's made in China? We can get something that's made in Sicily. Support me, Gala, made in the USA, but with a Sicilian heart. With a Sicilian heart. Are you one hundred percent Sicilian, right? No, 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 no. My my last name is Calabrese. My last name is Musolino because I had one grandpa who was Calabrese. What town? He was from a town called Calanna, which is in the Provincia di Reggio. It's up in the mountains. Ah, uh, Reggio's here. Reggio's Sicily anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? A true story. I was working with a Calabrese musician. His name was from Cosenza. Whenever we would learn, do a Calabrese song from like from. Reggio, he couldn't understand. He goes, I don't understand the dialect. I'm like, are you kidding? It's clear as day. Like, what's the matter? Nah, with it? you get it's that so split. Sicilian. It's so yeah. Sweet. But um, my grandma and grandpa had to elope. They got married here in the U.S. and they had to eat. They had to run off and get married because 
He was not Sicilian. Her family would not permit it. Wow. Yeah. I thought the fact that my, my grandparents did the same thing. My grandfather's Sicilian and my grandmother's Bares and my grandmother's family was not thrilled about it. They did it anyway. Um, and they were young kids. Uh, and I always thought that that was like a small distance to be so separated. But I mean, you're talking about being separated by the Straits and Messina. That's not even like it's that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's really crazy. One of my favorite jokes is this. Um, Italian-American comes home and his mom's straight off the boat from Italy. Pick your favorite Southern Italian town. And he says, Mom, I'm getting married. And the mother says, thank God. Finally, I'm going to be a nun. I can't wait. God bless God. She's so happy. And he says, and Mom, I got to tell you, um, you know, she's not Italian. She's Puerto Rican. And I says, what do I care? You love her. She loves you. I'm happy. I'm going to be a grandmother. I don't care. I'm so happy. Well, things didn't work out. Engagement broke up. They, he was single. So about a year later, he comes home. He says, Mom. I got to tell you, I met a girl. I love her. I asked her to marry. We're going to get married. And she's like, thank God. I'm going to be a nun. And she's so happy. She can't wait. He says, but mom, I got to tell you, you know, she's, she's not Italian. She's African-American. And mother said, what do I care? You love her. She loves you. I'm going to have grandkids. I can't wait. Oh, I'm going to make, I'm going to make cookies. I'm going to make this school. I can't wait. Well, it didn't work out. A year goes by, two years, finally comes home. He says, mom, I got to tell you, I think I finally met the right girl. I asked him, oh, I'm so happy. Mother's like, I'm going to be a nun. I can't wait. He goes, mom, the best part is she's Italian. And the mother said, oh, really? What town is she from? <laughs> that's absolutely right. There you go. Uh, that's the truth. That's how we always turn on ourselves. <laughs> right. That's the best thing about being Italian. What is the, is the, is the, is the next town over is, is much more frightening than somebody whose culture is completely different. Yeah. Well, you know what? I got, let's get a little academic here. Um, there was a sociologist, Max Ascoli, very famous sociologist uh, during right before World War II, in the 1930s and 40s. And he said something very beautiful about uh, Southern Italians. He said they became Americans before they ever knew they were Italians. That is the greatest quote I have ever heard in 47 yes. years I'm on. John, write Max, that down somewhere. Max Oscar. That is up there. With, that is up there yeah. with Italy is the world's lifestyle superpower. Yeah. yeah, that's true. They became Americans before they ever understood they were Italian. Again, it goes back to history. You know, the, the unification skipped over the South, right? And they were still in their little city-states trying to survive, so... Yeah, I, I was just reading. I was just rereading um, the Pursuit of Italy. I'm listening to it on audiobook now. Which I'll, after I read a book, this is years ago, but I like to sometimes listen on audiobook. And I got his. I think it's Christopher Duggan, uh, and he's talking about some people in mountain towns in the 50s who didn't really realize that Italy was Italy yet. They had no interaction with the state, and you know, yep. this is this is that very localized family kinship community town. It's a big part of our identity, and and I I, I love that we get to have episodes like this where we talk about a specific place and really dig deep for the portions of our audience who have roots there or even those who are just interested. Um, and the thing I will say as we go about Michaela that I really love and respect is you're passionate about this. You you are, as, as we deemed you last episode, uh, the pat of Sicilian music, but <laughs> you are an, a, a dedicated student and advocate for roots music of all cultures, right? You, yes. You've done a lot of your stuff mixes. Uh, you, you have a CD that mixed Sicilian with uh, what? Zimbabwean? Um, Zimbabwean music, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the open-mindedness and passion for all people seeing that's why i love our culture because in it i see the things that you 
that unite me and tie me to other cultures. I see the similarities. Right. We execute it differently, but the inspiration is oftentimes the same. And, yeah. and hey, Sicilians were the original melting pot. Come on. You're right about that. That's true. <laughs> we, that is very, very true. Historically. We, yeah, we've right. got everybody. We got everybody in those roots and, uh, and it's something to be proud of. So thank you for coming on and thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you both. It was just a lot of fun today. I'd love to do this again anytime. It's been a lot of fun. We would love to have you back anytime and love to see you uh, hopefully either down in Memphis or when you come back up here. So awesome. hope everybody enjoyed this two-part episode. It's been a lot of fun for us, and I hope it inspires you to go out and learn a little bit more about the folk music that makes us who we are. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ciao a tutti. Ciao. Buon Natale. Buon Natale. Buon Natale. Mm-hmm.